I'm Dave Minocco, the Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. As we look through the lens of the year's theme of belonging, in this month of October, we will gaze more intently on the notion of place. Inclusive communities project a clear sense of place. It is this feature, in fact, that draws people to such communities seeking to belong. As social beings, we seek our places in the groups of which we become a part, and more existentially, we seek our place in this world in the time we have to live on it. So this month, we will pull apart this idea of place, starting in this episode with a community most listeners know well, Parish Episcopal School. What values define Parish? What characteristics of this community attract people to join it? Who stewards these values and ensures that they remain vibrant and evident? Pondering questions like these led me to one individual whose perspective I knew would enrich our reflection, Andrea Mayfield. Andrea is the chair of the Parish Board of Trustees. Though this is her first year as board chair, she has served in various leadership roles on the Parish Board for the last four years. An alumni parent of two girls, Elizabeth, class of 15, and Katie, class of 18, Andrea and her husband, Jeff, have been members of the parish community since 2007. They are also members of the Church of the Transfiguration. In this podcast, Andrea and I explore the values and characteristics that define parish as a place, provide insights on the Board of Trustees and how trustees work in partnership with me, the head of school, to steward parish's values, and we leverage Andrea's insights as an executive coach and organizational consultant to talk in more general terms about the challenge leaders face balancing the preservation of their organization's values with the need for their organization to evolve. I'm sure you will profit from listening to this conversation with Parish Board Chair Andrea Mayfield. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. I'm glad to be here with our board chair, Andrea Mayfield. Andrea, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. The distinguished first female board chair <laughs> at Parish Fiscal School. Not to really be taken lightly. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. 50 years yeah. of almost 50 years of history. Very pleased, and, and I think even more pleased when I hear um, some of the moms on campus tell me that their daughters go into the Perlman and look on the wall and have asked why there is not a woman on the wall. So yes. for no other reason other than to make sure that the, our female students, when they go in the Perlman, also see representation of a woman on that wall. I yeah, think it's super important. Well said. Uh, Perlman, for those of you who know it, as just a general meeting space, also happens to be where our board of trustees convene. So there are the pictures of the of the past chairs uh, there, all of whom are, are, are white men and uh, fine white men, great servants of the school, uh, but look distinctly different than you. And so it is important from both a real and optics term to have your your photo there. So we're um, continuing our theme of belonging over the course of, uh, of this year on my podcast. We talked a lot in this past month about, uh, in my past episodes this last month, about safety, emotional safety, and physical safety, and finding academic fit. We're transitioning a little bit um, this month to look at uh, the qualities of place, right? Because if you're looking sure. to plug in and belong somewhere, and I'm seeking that as an individual, like what you're curious about uh, finding in a group of people 
is what they stand for, sure. right? What their values are. And so I felt, all right, no better place to start than uh, those that are the definers and keepers of the of, of values of this place than the Board of Trustees. But I think before we get there, we should talk a little bit about your own history uh, at, at Parish. And so kind of take us through take us through your story of how you and your husband, Jeff, connected with Parish and your two girls coming here and uh, really what's brought you to this moment now where you are the first female chair of our, of our board. Sure, absolutely. So uh, let's see, Elizabeth, our eldest child, actually came in fall of 07. So maybe an auspicious year to have become tuition paying parents, yeah. but indeed that was the timing. Um, but we had actually, we lived in Capel at the time mm-hmm. um, and had uh, actually heard of Parish when um, the school bought the Midway building, just in the news. And I actually remember I hmm. cut it out of the paper oh, and filed it away uh, for the future. I was raised Episcopalian. My father was Episcopalian mm-hmm. priest. Um, I had the privilege of going to private schools myself. And um, Jeff uh, went to large public schools. Mm. So we felt like between the two of us, we had uh, very, very different experiences. And there could, could therefore make a kind of informed choice about mm-hmm. what, we want, what we wanted for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, in 07, we enrolled Elizabeth. And uh, after doing our due diligence mm-hmm. of the schools in the area, certainly. And you know, from our view, it's really, uh, it was really a choice for the journey mm. of the development of our kids. Um, not so much a different outcome of college or mm-hmm. um, a product, so to speak, but really the development of the journey. And so, you know, I think it's your family culture and your school culture that develop those kids. So yep. for us, it was really um, a very, very um, specific choice, actually, um, to come to Parish. Um, the Episcopal identity was just a plus, mm-hmm. but really it was the culture that we saw in our tours and our interviews and those kind of things that attracted us initially. Yeah, so let's pick that apart a little bit before we talk about those elements of the experience that you described as being of primary importance to you, specific to um, to Katie and Elizabeth's experiences here. So you talk about this Episcopal identity as being important but not driving. You talk about culture. So it was still 2007. Oh, we were really in the throes of our early yeah. expansion years uh, and so can you can you enumerate or articulate what values or perceptible identity markers of culture really resonated with you all as you as you came in contact with Parrish for the first time yes I think it was the um, the spirit of possibility if mm. you will as mm-hmm. we as I said we did all the tours of the mm-hmm. schools in the area and um, when we came to Parrish it was the open house at that time was walking down the great hall was like a a chaotic buzz, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and there was a, 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 a some sort of middle to lower school type instruments being played, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there was it was it was not at all what we do today. Yes, but it was a very early version of what we do today, and it was um, inspiring. The chaotic energy mm-hmm. to me really um, uh, felt that that innovative spirit that spirit that we're going to discover something here, um, that the high school was just, you know, just going at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like there was, um, it was, the school was in a developmental journey itself, mm-hmm. and that um, all the data points that I saw at that time indicated that we could be a part of that journey with the school. Mm-hmm. And for our family, that notion of sort of contribution and mm-hmm. where you um, not only benefit from what's there, but you're able to shape and change by becoming a part of that community yep. is also really important. Yeah, so that's really interesting because, um, of course, you came in fall of 2007, fall of 2008, I came for my interviews. Right. So effectively, like, I was both as a prospective employee and a prospective parent of three boys having to make the same sort of value assessment of this place. And I would say... Um, probably one a 
to um, to the number one, which was this feel of like uh, um, authentic uh, like kindness and and uh-huh. and joy. That was what I perceived most notably when I was on campus during my interview process in two thousand and eight. One A was this that notion of possibility that resonated with you too, like yeah. just looking at the building, and you would cut it out of the newspaper. But I just walked in and was like who would do this as an aspirant sort of change oriented um, leader, like a curious leader, one who was thinking about like how schools could work for kids, perhaps in a different way in the independent school world. Like the the story of the uh, expansion and transition really spoke to me too. So Mm -hmm. we had very similar um, interfaces with the school at very um, commensurate times right you know right. as we as we were looking at it so katie and elizabeth enroll and come through essentially the the middle school a little yes. longer a little longer for katie but yes. the middle school so uh, t- tell us like if you if you kind of look back under their unique unique journeys uh over a shared period of time two or three of the resonant um, value delivery points or just experiences that they had uh, for each of the girls and maybe where that's taken them today. So, sure. you know, the listeners know where they're off to now as they're out absolutely, on their way. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and to our sort of topic and theme of belonging is that um, when uh, the girls came here, they both danced, had been dancing since they were three yep. um, in studios in Capel and, and around the area. And what we didn't find here at that time was a place where they could um, uh, be a part of the community with their talents of dancing. So there were sports and there were some arts, but there was, no, there was really nothing, very, very limited dance classes at that time. <coughs> and so we um, you know, quickly identified, and the girls, and Elizabeth being the eldest, was really the one who articulated, is that I, I don't want to leave at 3 o'clock every day and do all of my activities outside of the community to which I'm a member. Mm-hmm. I want to do my activities and my love and my talent within the community that I am a member. And so um, that really led us on a journey where we've been very involved with the school and, mm-hmm. and both girls were able to contribute to um, development of the dance program here. Elizabeth with the Rosettes as that got started year one and has grown from there. And Katie, a little bit behind her, mm-hmm. um, was really helped with um, Jessica the start of the um, dance company mm-hmm. um, in the upper school. So differently, but they were both be able to kind of really enhance and um, that sense of contribution again mm-hmm. to the community. I think it's this combination of a community listening and then that engenders belonging and then contribution. Yeah. Um, and that's what equals innovation. Yep. Yep, <laughs> so, for sure. so it's that, that combination is absolutely uh, a part of our story here at Parish is the ability to say, hey, we want to do this and have the community respond yep. and figure it out together. Yep. Um, certainly true. Elizabeth was the inaugural class of AGS as mm-hmm. well. That's right. So, um, so you, had an, you had an Academy of Global Studies scholar in Elizabeth and a Leadership Institute And Katie was the second group yes. of Leadership Institute. <laughs> Early as, pioneers as in well. both. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So we came at, I think, a very formative time. Yes. And um, this jumps the gun to where we'll head, certainly. But I, I think that even though the school is so much... Uh, different than it was at that time and, and it's matured and mm-hmm. evolved in programming is that we don't want to stop listening mm-hmm. to each voice mm-hmm. and where wh- what will help them be long and be a member is we want to make sure that we keep going yep. with what you and I found in 07, 08, 09 around 
great listening for ideas. Yes. And we want to make sure we keep that because that is part of our culture, I think. Yes, adds to that richness. So uh, to close out on Elizabeth yeah. and Katie a little bit, so, so uh, they're off and on their way. Yes, they are. So <laughs> and um, so Katie is was class of 2018. Mm-hmm. She's currently a sophomore at TCU mm-hmm. and um, in the business school. And she just um, uh, started a, a membership in a cohort group mm-hmm. of the Neely Leadership Program, mm-hmm. um, which is a very competitive <coughs> group that she's thrilled to be a part of and um, so her seeds for success were certainly born here at Parish. She was a member of the Leadership Institute yeah. as we said and then also just faculty involvement. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Wasserman was a tremendous mm-hmm. mentor to her. She mm-hmm. had him for APUSH and GovEcon at the same time and also did he did independent studies with her mm-hmm. around behavioral economics mm-hmm. which really got her focused on business school mm-hmm. and, um, and led that journey. Yeah. So all the seeds were planted here yep. of course. Elizabeth was a 2015 Parish graduate, and then a 2019, so last this past year, uh, Clemson graduate. Um, fun fact for her is that she has not never been a, a football fan um, of a team that loses, because in 2015, <laughs> Parish won state. Then she went to Clemson for the last four years. So she's had a very, very good run of football. Used to championship programs. Football activity, yeah. yes. Um, she has now moved to Philadelphia. And um, so the roots of Parish is at Parish she was able to um, really build in her love both of languages and science. So if you look at her Parish years, she had a couple years of Latin, Arabic, and Spanish, mm-hmm. which is just fantastic mm-hmm. in a high school, middle school, mm-hmm. high school mm-hmm. environment, and also AP Bio and AP Chem and all the sciences as well. So she really took that to college and decided to major in Spanish. So in undergrad she mm-hmm. majored in Spanish but to call her sciences. And now she's in an accelerated um, BSN, so nursing through doctorate, through yep. a doctorate in nursing um, program yep. um, in Philly. Thanks so yeah, fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them launched where I think they should be and um, just really strong formation of both of their interest areas. Both girls completely different in yep. their interests and um, very strong early formation of coursework and honestly just faculty involvement. Yeah. Both of them did um, independent studies with different faculty members, Elizabeth in languages and Katie in more of the, the behavioral economics that just really helped form um, their passion, I think, mm-hmm. and then what they decided to major in when they got to college. Yeah, some of these, uh, again, resonant brand themes that emerge are around individualization, personalization, yep. inclusivity of idea, our creative learners and bold leaders are, 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 are fleck, fleshed Absolutely. out through here, a very strong uh, commitment to, to a, a relational culture between faculty and students. But right after, um, right before this episode drops uh, in the middle latter part of October, my first Monday for October will have come out. And to your point of contribution, like in a community of belonging, I call it this beautiful reciprocity, yes. right? I, the individual, pour into you, the community that I've chosen to affix myself to, you, the community, pour into me, exactly. you know, I thrive, you thrive, we thrive together as a group is how I've phrased it here in conversations with our faculty and staff and with our students and, and in the letter that you'll be able to read in, in October. And you're being modest, but you know you're, you're, you open with this notion of wanting to find a place to which you could contribute, that the girls contributed to the dance program. You came with other parent advocates and said, is this a possibility? Back mm-hmm. to that other uh, theme we've touched on around Paris as a place of possibility. And, and then really put in the sweat equity 
right, along with others, to uh, br to bring under the really able leadership of some talented faculty members uh, and and Dr. Rice's uh, 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 leadership. Um, you know what is now a, a, a very viable, very healthy uh, dance program for kids that want to stay on campus and and have that and have that experience. So yeah. I think it really is reflective in your uh, in your own family's journey. Uh, absolutely, I mean it's, that's been our experience, and I agree. I think that there's um, there's a connectivity between obviously belonging, contribution, <coughs> and innovation. Because if we want to be an innovative community, we have to listen to voices mm -hmm. and and. And our members have to feel that they belong so that they'll give us their ideas. Yes. And for me, um, you know, just even in my professional work, but that I, I feel like every member of a community has sort of three key needs. One, they, they need to have a voice and have it be heard. They need to um, feel that that voice is unique and valued, and they need to feel essential to the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, part of our culture, again, is that we listen and that our, our leadership, our faculty, really honors those three um, in the sense of when people raise their voice, it's viewed as unique yes. and essential and listened to, and yep. that's what's created our ideas. Yep. You know, as we started, someone said, hey, let's buy the Midway campus, and it was an office building. Right. And, and the, the administration listened yes. and heard, and, yes. and someone said, let's do a high school, and someone said, let's do robotics, yep. and someone said, let's do a design den, and right? I think that, again, culturally, we've always been a community that listen to mm -hmm. its members yep. and that's why we're seen as innovative yeah no question in an earlier podcast ep episode listeners will remember that i did with dr leblanc at southern new hampshire university he referenced the work of professor brown named greg elliott that i had never heard before he is a sociologist doing all of his uh, a preponderance of his research now in this very concept you talk about that in communities people need to know they matter yes and he he's actually looking at um under-resourced young people who join gangs uh -huh. right so what is it uh in yeah. the, what is it in that instance that drives them to what an otherwise would be seen as a sort of anti-social or cult or, or, or counter counter social uh environment but it's in it's in essence just deep human need to feel like whether it's your voice or your idea yeah. or, your, or or your authentic sense of self like you matter to us here right it goes even to how we operate as an administrative group for example and wanting to try to know as many of the students as we can yeah. by name right like this idea that you 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 matter enough to be acknowledged yeah absolutely right? i mean i think it's i mean ultimately i think it's our caveman <coughs> brains right? right we need to be essential to the group or we're out of the cave yes and if we are not essential to a group, we, we're out of the cave, we will not survive. Yes. And so I think this is just core, core human need yes. to, um, to feel essential to the group. And, and that's the core of belonging. Belonging is a, a, a word that we use today to describe this need. But I think that, that it's, you know, it's timeless and it's universal. Um, and the way in our community, at least, that I think historically we've done that we need to make sure we continue to do is really... Um, honoring that need and and again listen yeah so you reference your professional role as an executive coach and you may or to certainly i think you already answered the question that i was curious at, at getting to you with but as you coach exec as you coach leaders c-suite leaders in large organizations um you know when you talk around these elements of how to create uh sort of healthy uh healthy defined brands or cultures so that people when they come to it 
can can say, yes, that's a place to which I want to affix myself. There's alignment there. I want to belong there. You know, what are what are some of the things that you're talking to and coaching sure. uh, the leaders that you're working with about that that we haven't already? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, already so culture is leader centric, mm-hmm. right? Culture is defined by the behavior of the leader. Mm-hmm. And so and culture is in service of the goal mm-hmm. from my view. So uh, we don't build a culture just for culture's sake. We define <coughs> our organizational goals and then we decide what culture will enable those goals. Mm-hmm. And then we have to behave to that culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, you know, in a business, you have to define your business goal and then you have to build the culture that will enable that business goal. Mm-hmm. So different kinds of cultures will enable different kinds of business goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a school community, I think we have and are and will continue to define our goals. And then we have to continue to build the culture that's going to enable that mm-hmm. goal. But that's certainly in my work is, is, and then the tricky part, sort of the easy part, if you will, is defining the goals and then the culture that will enable those goals. The tricky part, because we're human beings and not robots, is that we have to behave every day consistently that will build that culture. Yep. So our, you know, our board, <coughs> our administration, our faculty, our parents, we all have to be in on um, behaving in ways that supports and builds this culture yep. that gets us toward our organizational cult- yep. goals. And if we behave inconsistently, we're going to slow our path on the journey toward that goal. Yeah, and sometimes that's a you have to be a, a doing some deft juggling, right? Because we we've, we've, we've used different words to describe two really driving brand elements of Parish. One is in our mission statement, community. We've talked about it in an lots of other terms, but this notion of community. And then the other, we've talked about it as possibility, but it's innovation, right? Yes. And so as a board and as an administration, we've been spending a lot of time, really even in the last 18 months, as, as my second uh, decade here uh, began to commence, around how, how is our culture, our leadership culture, our, mm-hmm. our, 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 our general culture being uh, defined by both of those at their, at their best version of cells, yes. right? Like, yes. so sometimes, you know, being innovative does fights against the notion of being, uh, being communal, yeah, right? right? And so, and being communal can sometimes mean we don't want to change anything because we're kind of happy being the community we are. And yeah. so, um, I think to that, to that point of yours around, uh, sort of seeding culture and reflecting culture through action, it's important for the listeners to know that, um, sometimes that's a real, it takes a real deaf, deaf juggling it's act. Absolutely. <laughs> and also I think so, also in my work I do with organizations and leaders, but is relevant here as well is this notion of as as you that there's a cycle of resiliency being the emotional response to change <coughs> adaptability being the behavioral response to change that leads to creativity mm-hmm. and it's a constant flow yep. right so as we're creative when you change things and we listen to voices to change things we have to bolster our resiliency our emotional response to that change just like the carpool change that's coming that's right because of <laughs> our wonderful um build this yep. year yep. we have to be um, we have to keep bolstering our resiliency so that we can enable that adaptability and creativity yes and so i think you're right is that in in balancing all of the notion of community and care and listening to voices which does give us innovation it also makes us as a community need to be resilient mm-hmm. in how we respond to all that change yep. that does keep us relevant. Yes. So we, we have to do it, but we recognize that it is, it is um, there is a process to go through yes. in dealing with the level of change that we do as a school. Yeah, it keeps, us, it keeps us relevant, it keeps us vital. For many of us that are here, it keeps us engaged in yeah. ways that other fine schools across the country are not uh, as aspirant to. Like they are, they are generally uh, brand defined as legacy institutions who 
uh, develop a, a sense of tradition and and stability and and uh, and reflect uh, their their success around uh, outcomes. And they don't necessarily have as much desire or urgency or or, or you know, deep philosophical concern uh, to, um, to to parry about thinking about what's next. But you and I were both attracted to this yeah. place, not by anything we brought to it. We came to it. We wanted clear. to belong here because we had seen what preceded us. We've only we've only chosen to really be amplifiers and stewards yes. of this very notion that Parrish just does not uh, embrace sitting still. Yeah. And so we're going to do it responsibly and thoughtfully, but we're also going to try to protect that sense of resilience and community that's uh, also been in this uh, core DNA of this place since 1972. Like, so we recognize that. And, and I think at the end of the day, you know, we want to get into helping our listeners who maybe even who are familiar with independent schools, never mind those of you who came to us from public schools, to understand what the Board of Trustees do. And at, and at its most existential and essential, that's what Boards of Trustees do. They, they tend yeah. to these elements of the DNA of place as stewards for the time that they're on it. So you were brought to the board uh, several years ago, you know, just talk about that process of what, what that is, what it asks of you and what you saw as the, uh, as sort of the attraction of, of joining the, the trustees. And we'll even get into the details of like, how many of you are there? Sure. <laughs> like, what are y'all, yeah. what are y'all doing? Like, yeah. how often do you meet? And yeah. what that's all about. Yeah. So take well, us through so, some of that. So, um, uh, you know, I guess first sort of the who we are a yeah, little bit, and then yeah. my entry point in is, but, you know, for those of you who are not familiar with the board, we are <coughs> a skill-based board. So really a skill-based board in service to the school. So we are a carefully curated combination of um, attorneys and CPAs and finance experts and HR professionals and, and community um, volunteers. And so a very, very specific mm -hmm. skill set to um, support you, Dave, mm -hmm. as head of school, mm -hmm. and and you know support you in giving you the resources, and then I guess ultimately hold you and your team accountable mm -hmm. to achieving the goal that we're after. Correct. And so it's that combination of giving resource and holding accountable that is our job as stewards of the school. And our board revolves generally on or around twenty-five in yeah. number. Three-year terms, board members uh, are, are, are go through a nomination process. They're identified by a committee of the board, the committee uh, on the board that is the trusteeship committee, who identify prospective members whose skills skill fit uh, fits with what the need of the board is at a particular moment in time. And then, generally, two-year uh, two terms of, of three years each, or six years. Yes. Some will serve as many uh, as many as as nine years. Yes. Uh, from, from that from exactly that right is that we have a trusteeship committee mm -hmm. and so every year we're analyzing based on what is the work to be done <coughs> in the near and far term what kinds of skills do we need mm -hmm. and then the trusteeship committee really canvases we look through PA we look through grandparents council we look through the booster clubs yep. we look through um, the, you know s s you know community networks um, to find the right people who have the skill set we need, have have the desire to contribute to this place, and then ultimately, um, assuming that they're a parent, and probably most importantly, that they have the ability to not wear the parent hat in the boardroom. Yes. And to really wear um, wear the hat and use their technical skills and their contributing voice to really look for the whole school 
and not their specific family need. So it's this great combination of finding these right people that want to contribute and have those gifts themselves. Yeah, and this is flat service. This isn't a corporate board. There's no remuneration right. for this. This is this is a this is flat service, and and it's a working board. It's a skills based board because they work. So they're uh, seven eight meetings a year, yeah. generally monthly, every six weeks. There are then committee meetings that really flow up into the full board meetings themselves, and those committees are uh, are are really tackling uh, core issues of either operating or facility governance as you've referenced risk management uh, uh, advancement uh, these these are the various committees of, of, of the board and so they really um, are, are not just here to ceremonially uh, approve things or uh, frankly to get involved as you suggest in the uh, in the weeds of the daily operation of the school uh, you reference carpool like that's not a board-based issue it right? is, like, it so is not. they're they're at work on things that are of significance uh, moving toward the goals or vision of the institution ultimately is the upholders and protectors of the mission, vision, and values uh, of the organization as volunteer stewards. It's a significant commitment. Absolutely, you know? and and you know, to a person, I think that every um, one of my colleagues on the board, and even over the years, those who have uh, met their service and rolled off, consider it an honor mm -hmm. and not a, a not a duty. <clears throat> And I think that also is the culture of the board, and that that leads to the culture of the school, right? Yeah. That they those are those are um, feeding each other in the sense. And I think the the board members, the trustees, feel very honored to be on um, this body that leads this wonderful school. Yeah, and so you referenced the difference between parent and board member hat, and not so much in terms of your very apropos comment about board members having to be very careful about how they approach a teacher or where, where their points or levers of control are as it comes to the daily operation of school. But really back to our initial conversations, the sort of value components of the brand that appeal yeah. to you as a parent versus as a board member, is there any difference there or to you from your experience as a parent and a board member now and a parent of an alum and a board member, like is it is it all just merged together or as a board member do you think about the values of the place differently or a different set of values that are more important to you or is it all just um i think it's elevated probably mm -hmm. so i think as a parent you know you're you're in it you're as my husband jeff always says that we find time goes by much faster now that we're empty nesters and his phrase is always because we're not watching the sausage being made mm -hmm. every night mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great <laughs> and point. you know when you're when you're a parent you're literally watching the sausage mm -hmm. being made every, every night whether yeah. you're a you know a hands-on parent or a hands-off parent anywhere in between you still are watching the sausage being made on a nightly basis yep. and so i think that when you're a parent on the board there is a different kind of connectivity. In some ways it can be positive because you're in the buzz and you know what's going on. You also have to manage it carefully so that you're not too swayed by the buzz or pulled into issues that really are not a trustee's role yeah. and responsibility. Um, when you, when now that I do not have um, kids daily here, um, I, I see it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So I think our combination, uh, or more holistically maybe, <coughs> and, and, and um, looking for different kinds of things. And so I think our combination on the board of current parents, grandparents, alum parents, really gives us that round voice that we don't get pulled in too much. Yep. And we have the reality of the parent voice, but, we don't, but we're also able to pull out and pull those parents out as well. For so sure. it's that that dynamic and that mix and blend I think is really important mm -hmm. to the right conversation. Yeah, so really you really you can really as we say to the board all the time like we are we are looking 25 to 50 years down the road for parish, right? And so when you think about those values, I think 
to your point, you think about them in a broader and richer context, not yes. so much to Jeff's point in the moment, right? Like, yes. But really just in a, if you're doing trusteeship well, you're really trying to arc your vision decades forward to think Absolutely. about the parish experience of, of those of those kids to Absolutely. Come. And to your point, how do all the good core elements of our original culture mm -hmm. and how do we continue to evolve and and move and you know I think overall if our our organizational goal back to my point kind of professionally mm -hmm. if our organizational goal is to stay relevant in mm -hmm. this era mm -hmm. in this era in need of education yeah. and continue to produce good kids that are happy and successful mm -hmm. um, then we have to continue um, really pushing out yep. and really looking forward and making sure that we are you know growing and evolving and and being still listening to our members and also moving our membership as well yeah our mission statement is very guiding it, it talks about yes. guiding young people to be impactful in the complex global society quote unquote and so that complex global society is not getting any less complex Absolutely. Right? so in other words how does this you know how does this uh, experience here really fit kids not for the world of 2019 but the world 2029 and, and 2039 and so that's really where the board sits and their meetings then are not about um, teacher X or uh, math book Y uh, or uh, you know um, uh, as we referenced uh, sort of operational issue Z the, the door broken on the first floor you know these types of things they are at a much higher uh, generative level as we move through a board year we, we identify sort of the high-level goals that move us toward our, our vision, and the board really uh, does a great job here. Very healthy functioning board um, at staying at that, at that level with really only one employee who they're responsible for, stewarding, hiring, and uh, otherwise guiding, and that's the head of school. The head of school and, and, and his team, in this case, uh, really operate the daily operations of school, and, and it's, our, it's our job working as a partnership, you and I, to make sure that that, uh, that moat between the daily management of school and the and the visioning and strategic direction of the school is is honored and not and not crossed absolutely too often you know <laughs> so it's, like it's, it's it's a complicated it's, it's, right. it can be a complicated mix so we you know we're going to have moments we have to talk all that through but generally we, we we try to honor that yeah no i think so too and and certainly i think not only mine but the experience of trustees who have been on other boards will say that this is a highly functioning board yes again we are skill based we're we're basically a professional board, I would say, yes. for the school, um, and that's just a great credit to mm -hmm. the the trustees that we have on, and to your leadership of yep. the board is yep. that we're very disciplined, we're very structured. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you're right. Our 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 near term activities that we have to approve the budgets, and we're looking at operational risks and and some of those kind of things. But typically, we're much more further out mm -hmm. and making sure we are. Um, anchored in the right ways, but also propelling in the right ways. Yeah. So ultimately, at the end of the day, and wrapping up, I think, you know, as we talked this this month about a sense of place, and my co-host Damara will be back later this month, and we'll be talking with um, some of our students about, you know, how how do they how do they socially find their place here? Having talked last month about how they find their place here academically, you know, at the end of the day, what they're fitting into is this culture that, that Andrew and I have talked about today, and in, in this culture that is ahead of school and is. Uh, the board chair and as board members 
it's really our responsibility to tend to, Absolutely. right? And so we felt like this was a really important uh, grounding for you and a little bit of education 101 on, um, the, on, on the governing structure of independent schools. For those of you that, uh, that don't know it, um, it will not be too late for, for those of you interested in some more learning about the uh, Board of Trustees and independent schools to come to the first parish parent you that we're having on October 23rd. Uh, there will be a, a, a section with our Director of Enrollment Management, Caroline Doswell, and a couple of Andrea's uh, colleagues on the board, Allison Jackson and Vice Chair Trey Velvin, where you can uh, learn a little bit more about trusteeship. Absolutely. So, and, and, and always uh, willing and wanting to um, answer questions mm -hmm. or um, to anyone interested in learning more about the board. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me. It was fun talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with friends and colleagues in your network. As this month continues, look forward to a couple of more conversations. Exploring a sense of place is another vital element in the making of a community of belonging. I hope to be joined next by Ross Wiener, Executive Director of the World Leadership School, with whom we partner on several of our parish abroad trips. Ross and I will consider the imperative and challenge of helping young people find their place in the complex global society. Later this month, co-host Amari Hayes will return. Together, he and I will discuss with several students from ARPA School the challenges of navigating one's place for teens in the social culture of today's technology-driven world. Until the next time, thanks for joining me on the From My Angle podcast.